0: Hi, and welcome to Come Read With Me, Rev. Chris. Chris and David are currently off recording season three. Until then, check back here each week to hear one of Chris's sermons from the archive. Enjoy. So if, uh, if you've been here for any amount of uh, time in, in St. Saviour's, um, you may know that I love playing sports uh, it gives me life. I love getting out. Um, I don't watch too much sport, but I love to play it, whether it's tennis or paddle, or paddle tennis is this new thing, um, or cricket or, or whatever. I love getting out, and uh, it's a filler for me. And I'm also I'm quite good at picking stuff up. Um, and, you know, I'll try something, and I'll, I'm relatively coordinated, and I'll be able to, to pick it up quite well. And it's always really annoyed my wife. She's like, oh. How do you pick stuff up so quickly? Uh, Because she's not really that good at sport. Um, However, on a weekend away, uh, Jenny and I went together and we did archery. And um, we thought we'd have a little fun, a little competition. And uh, we we went to this archery kind of um, corridor or whatever you call it. Archery ground? I don't know. (laughs) Uh, range That was the word I was searching for, an archery range. And um, the guy, it was only just Jenny and I, and the guy who had be arrived and said, have you, have you done this before? And I was like, i got the basics, i got the basics down. You know, I, I know you pick up an arrow and you shoot, I'll be all right. And, um, and uh, he put me against Jenny. Turns out I'm married to a killer. She was amazing. She was hitting everything. At one point this guy blew up two balloons and it was about the length of the church and he, you know, he didn't like blow up a big balloon he blew up about, about this much, a little balloon he put two balloons on the ends of the targets at the end of the range and he said, first one to shoot the balloons wins and um, so I get out an arrow and you know I aim for my balloon, miss it Jenny gets out an arrow, shoots her balloon straight, takes out another arrow and aims across at my target and shoots mine I was like the guy was like, wow, uh, you know, new Katniss Everdeen over here. And um, yeah, so Jenny would survive uh, in the Hunger Games or <laughs> in the Apocalypse. Uh, be aware. So anyway, why do I tell you that story? Well, we, we are uh, we're entering Lent together. And um, it's a time of reflection, or an opportunity to take stock of our lives, to think again about all that God has done. Um, and do the difficult work of looking at ourselves, acknowledging our weaknesses, our faults, our sins. Um, if it is your first Sunday with us, um, or you're new to St. Saviour's, well, and you've picked a kind of interesting Sunday to come, because I'm talking all about sin. And um, I'm not a fire and brimstone type of preacher. I'm not like, there's a line in the sand, and I'm not going to cross it. Um, I'm not like that. But um, I want us to think about this today, and I want us to... Um, to go through kind of what does the Bible say about sin, um, and take an opportunity to think about it, and what has Christ done to deal with our sin, and do a recap on some basic theology and what the Bible teaches us, because it's Lent, it's the beginning of Lent, and this is what we do as Christians in Lent: we reflect and we think again about what Christ has done on the cross. So, let's look at it. What is the biblical definition of sin? Um, If I was to ask you, I wonder what you would say. Um, Well, the Bible is quite clear in that 1 John, chapter 3, verse 4, says this. Sin is the transgression of the law. Sin is the transgression of the law. And the Greek word that John uses here for sin is hamartia. I don't know if I've pronounced that correctly. But anyway, hamartia. And Theia's Greek lexicon notes... That this word, its root meaning of the, of the word used for sin is failing to hit the mark. That is the root meaning of the word that is used for sin. So what is sin? Sin is a transgression of the law. And the root meaning of sin is failing to hit the mark. It might be interesting to you, like shooting an arrow at a bullseye and missing slightly. That is the idea of sin, any deviation from hitting the mark. And that might sound new to you, as on the whole, our culture and the world likes to have a list of sin. These are the sins, these are the ins, these are the outs, these are the do's, these are the don'ts. When really, all sin is about deviation from God's mark, from what he set before us, from God's will, if you like. Any deviation from that but sin is also, um, the New Testament does a little bit more teaching about sin. According to New Testament, it's also rebellion, an act of rebellion. It gives the impression that there is almost like a malignant power to sin. In a way, it has a grip on us. And it can, it can, uh, we can make conscious decisions to do wrong, to do sin in a sense. So it's not just hitting the mark, it it is that when we deviate from God's will, but there's a sense of sin in the New Testament that we willingly miss the mark as well. St. Paul says this in Romans 3, he says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And John says in his first letter, if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. So it's... We all fall short. We all miss the mark. But we also have to understand that sin, there's a power to it that pulls us away from God. And we almost partner with it to to do wrong. We have to be aware of these kind of things. Now, a a common form of confession is this. Father eternal, giver of light and grace... We have sinned against you and our neighbour in what we have thought, in what we have said, and in what we have done. We say that a lot. This is interesting. Through ignorance, through weakness, and through our own deliberate fault. Here we see all the bases covered in our confessions. When we accidentally sin, or we fail through some weakness of our own, and we sin, or we deliberately Fail, and we deliberately sin okay and we ask God for his mercy sometimes people say the sins that are known to us we ask for forgiveness for and the sins unknown to us so we can still sin and not know we're sin the Bible explains the entry point uh, to sin in the world in Genesis and this is an icon which is called the expulsion from the garden Adam and Eve in the garden and then they've been kicked out and um, the angel is saying you have to depart. That's what that icon says. So in Genesis, uh, we have the story of Adam and Eve. And however you want to understand this story, whether you see it as purely analogy or some kind of um, um, Middle Eastern myth teaching or whether you see it as a real occurrence with actual human beings, uh, I don't really care. The same meaning stands okay whether you take it explicit as historical occurrence or you see it as an analogy of teaching from the bible the meaning stays the same man and woman were tempted away from god's rules to their own way they sought to be like god and self-determine their own way rather than trust in god and live under his rule So they got tempted away. They ate the fruit. They trusted in the snake who said, you won't die. You will become like God. But what happens is death does come and the life they sought to be like God is not what they had. So sin and death enter humanity. David in Psalm 51, which is a psalm of repentance, states this, surely I was sinful at birth. Sinful from the time my mother conceived me, yet you desired faithfulness even in the womb. You taught me wisdom in the secret place. So again, a Christian understanding is we are, we've inherited this, this sense of this brokenness from the time of Adam. Since humanity began and we turned away, there is this power within us in a sense that turns us away. And I think you all recognize it in yourself, the selfishness, the pride, the anger, the lust, the stuff in us that you're like, oh, why do I feel like that? Part of our fallenness is in us, each of us. So we carry this brokenness, this ability to sin, but also if if we are unchecked in it, we desire to sin, we seek after it. Lovely and cheery sermon so far. But that's not the end of the story, is it? We believe that God desiring us to be restored to a perfect relationship with him, an even better one than in the garden, he sends himself into the world. The word becomes flesh and dwells among us. Jesus comes to be with us. So if sin, in a sense, is missing the mark, if sin is trespassing against the law of God, then what can heal that? Well, one who comes and satisfies the law completely, one who doesn't miss the mark, one who always hits the bullseye, who always does the will of God, one who is righteous in everything. That one is Christ, and he has done it all. And Romans, the book of Romans explains it. For if by the trespass of one man, Adam, death reigned through one man, how much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and the gift of righteousness reign in life through one man, Jesus Christ? Consequently, just as one trespass resulted in condemnation for all people, so also one righteous act... Resulted in the justification and life for all people. For just as through disobedience of one man there many were made sinners, so also through obedience of one man they will be made righteous. Jesus, in a sense, is referred to as the new Adam, who lived righteously and without blemish, who was tempted like Adam was. Adam had the snake. Jesus was taken into the desert and tempted by the devil. See the similarity. The snake says to Adam and Eve, eat the fruit. The first temptation, in a sense, again, is food-related. Turn this stone to bread and eat it. You won't die, the snake says. You will become like God. Or to Jesus, I'll give you the whole world. Bow to me. But this time... Jesus defeats. And Jesus goes further still because we all sin. We are part of that line and that heritage of Adam. Our, all of our sins need atoning for. So in a sense, Jesus could have come, lived this pure life and never would have died. He did not have um, sin enter him or it wasn't part of that curse, that fall where death and sin are in partnership. Jesus lived a pure life and yet then went further than Adam in a sense and offered himself for us. Offers himself back to the Father on behalf of all of us. He chose to obey the Father's will, giving himself over to death. He offered himself in our place for our sins that we might have his place of righteousness and be in that perfect, right relationship with God. And this is the good news. That in Christ, when you come to him, when you acknowledge your sin, your brokenness, and you bring it to him, you are placing yourself and all your sin upon him, and he is willing to take it upon himself and offers you his life. And his life makes you righteous before God. And when God sees you in a sense and you are a confessing Christian, he sees the cross in you. And he sees his son in you and you in his son. And he says, you're righteous. You're forgiven. You're loved. You're mine. He accepts it. And this is the great choice of our lives to believe in this, to believe in Jesus, to repent of our sins, to offer them to God the father through the Son, in the power of the Holy Spirit, moving and working in our lives, in our hearts. And our confession of this in word and deed, our confession of I believe in Christ and then the action of baptism, we are brought into Christ. Your identity, therefore, lies in Christ. St. Paul explains it a lot um, by the action of of Jesus in Romans 6, he uses the language of being in Christ. And he finishes his section on this teaching of sin like this. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. We are baptised into Christ's death on the cross, but we are also baptised into his resurrection and that in Christ we can be confident, not only that when we, are, when we confess we are forgiven, but also we inherit eternal life. Because death no longer has claim on us because our sins are dealt with. And that is what we believe as Christians. So be filled up with this knowledge of love. Yes, you sin and you fall. But you have one who has gone and done all things for you and shown you the way to life and offers himself for you. John 3.16, probably the most famous verse in the Bible, very simple. It says this, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. So come again. Come again to Jesus. Acknowledge your wrongdoing, your sin. Bring it all to Jesus. Jesus. Confess him as Lord again. Receive him into your life with love, his love and his forgiveness and live out the righteousness that he gives to you. That is our call and it is wonderful and it is amazing and it is true. Amen.